everybody. I'm Oliver Roth, a Broadway producer at O'Henry Productions. You're listening to The O'Henry Report, the podcast by Broadway World, which gives you a one-of-a-kind look inside the business of Broadway. In the report, we pull back the curtain on the biggest stories, issues, and trends in the industry. Now, last month, we kicked off season two of this podcast by talking about the mechanics behind a Broadway show closing and the strategy that goes behind that closing announcement. Well, hopefully that gave you some insight as you started to hear in the past few weeks several shows announced that they'd be closing this season, both long-running shows like Kinky Boots and more recent additions to The Great Right Way like Once on the Silent. Today, we're going to talk to Broadway World reporter and my co-producer of The O'Henry Report, Matt Timonini, who also happens to be the expert in Broadway real estate. We'll review some of the breaking news regarding openings and closings this season, as well as talk about what that means for the rest of the 18-19 Broadway season and what shows might creep in to fill newly vacant theaters. So with that, let's bring Matt in and start exploring. All right, so I have uh, my co-producer and Broadway world reporter, Matt Temanini here. Uh, he's our real estate on Broadway expert, and we like to check in with him anytime we're talking about openings, closings, hypothesizing about openings, closings. So, hey, Matt, how are you? Good, Oliver. How are you, man? I'm good. It's been actually a while since we've had you on the show, I think. Yeah, it's been a while, and uh, we saw each other over the summer when I was in town, but uh, you know, not a ton has happened over the course of that time, but we're recording on Wednesday, November 28th, and a ton has happened in the past 24 to 48 hours, so it felt like this was the time to dive back into the spreadsheets. Yeah, I think you know that's sort of the 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 first place to, to take this conversation, which is just the fact that a lot has happened. Um, you know, at, at around, I think it was almost this time last year, um, one of the stories that we were ta- all talking about was, oh, it's only November, December, and uh, there are already some announcements for next season shows. Like, I, I don't know exactly when the announcements were. Maybe you do. But I think Prom, Getting the Band Back Together, and maybe one other had really early announcements last year. Yeah, because we talked about the fact that Getting the Band Back Together announced almost to the day a year before it was either the Broadway opening or the first preview. So, I mean, we were right. really looking forward just because it was such a log jam of houses. This season has kind of been a little bit different. We've seen a slower trickle because for different reasons, um, we haven't had a ton of shows announcing closings at the traditional times. We didn't have a ton closing at Labor Day. We still don't really have a ton closing after the first of the year, even with announcements in the last few days. We've only got, what, four, five um, shows that weren't limited runs to begin with, three or four shows um, that were open in runs that have announced closings in January, which is probably less than normal. So it's a yeah. really kind of uh, of a weird thing that we're getting more announcements, but they're not coming out in the normal rushes that we've seen in previous seasons. It's one here, one here. Although earlier this week on, you know, on Tuesday we had, or Monday and Tuesday we had, Two shows announced closing, two shows announced they were coming in and where and when. Um, so it's been a little bit of a rush. But for the most part, it's been one here, one there, just little little morsels to keep us appetized until the big stuff actually happens. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, the, I think the, the other reason is that um, because the season started coming together uh, much earlier than than is usual, we're at a point where we're now in the season almost, uh, you know, we're almost sort of mid-season and um, – there isn't that much room, which is something I know we'll talk about, but there isn't that much room at this point. And honestly, but there wasn't that much room even four days ago before we you know, learned, I think, like three or four new things. So let's let's sort of start start with just what happened this week. Um, so I think there are two closing announcements and two, two oh, yes. opening announcements, right? Yeah. So, yeah. It started first with uh, Head Over Heels, um, the little show that could I, – I mean this is an announcement that – uh, James Marino and I talked about over on on Broadway Radio. We said this is an announcement we really expected since almost it began performances uh, back in June, and it um, finally announced that it's going to close on January sixth. Even though it never really made any money, there's always talk. Uh, there's been a bunch of talk in the community about an angel investor who might have gooped herself some money to keep this show running for a while. Uh, and it's going to close on January 6th. I'm very happy that it's going to run for six 
and a half months. And I, if you haven't seen it, go over and see it. But that cleared the way at the Hudson Theater for Burn This, which had previously announced its intention to come to Broadway to take over the Hudson beginning in March. Now, Oliver, this one seemed like a no-brainer. Like, I I feel like this was anybody who was paying attention knew that as soon as Head Over Heels announced its closing, Burn This was going to announce because Burn This, which was originally going to star Jake Gyllenhaal, was originally announced to open the Hudson Theater before they said, oh, wait, Jake wants to do a musical instead? Okay, we'll do Sunday in the Park in, in, in its place. Uh, Burn This will now star uh, Adam Driver, along with Carrie Russell, David Furr, and two-time Tony nominee Brandon Uranowitz. Um, so those are the corresponding announcements that happened on back-to-back days earlier this week. The other announcements that we had, we'll start with the bad news. Uh, Once on this island announced that it will also close on January 6th, uh, having concluded, I guess at that point it will be about a 14-month run mm-hmm. uh, on Broadway, won the Tony Award for Best Revival of a Musical. That opens up Circle in the Square, uh, and we can talk about what might go in there, uh, Oliver. I, this is not sure. one where there's anything that, as far as I know, is eminently to be announced like we expected with Burn This. Mm-hmm. But there are some there are some contenders, and I think it's probably likely, especially given the the unique confines of, of Circle in the Square. But that's the bad one. We can come back to that house. The other one was that Hades Town, which is still has like two months left on its run at the National Theater in London, announced that it will replace uh, Springsteen on Broadway at the Walter Kerr Theater beginning in uh, in March previews. What's interesting about that is that's literally March 22nd. The first preview on Broadway is less than two months after it closes in London. So it'll be a pretty quick turnaround, which leads me to believe that they're not going to make a ton of changes and they're not going to change a bunch of cast members. Now, of course, anything can happen in, you know, in the, the corresponding four months, but they're going to have less than a month or so before they have to start rehearsals again. So I would imagine what we're seeing over in London is going to be pretty close, minus some tweaks, uh, to what we're going to see at the Walter Kerr uh, come springtime. Yeah, I think that the the timing of that doesn't make sense. And and this actually is um, – the Hadesound announcement sort of answers a question that is unlike the question of the season because the Kerr is something we – I mean, yes, Springsteen has extended over and over again, but I think uh, we all sort of figured that this was really the last extension, that it was actually going to close um, in, uh, what is it, January? And uh, especially because of the the Netflix announcement uh, that, that it would go live on the same date uh, on Netflix. Yeah, December, um, 5th, December 15th. De- December 15th. Yeah. So, 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 so we were pretty confident that that wasn't extending, which, me- which meant that uh, the Kerr didn't have uh, a spring tenant and, you know, that – that's a, a theater that has uh, been home to a lot of really fantastic musicals and that we, we sort of thought someone was going to bounce, uh, pounce on it. Uh, so now we have that answer that will be Hades town. And, uh, and, and I think so, so where does that leave us, Matt, with, um, cause I mean, like, like we said at the beginning, there is a very packed season and we could, I think both agree that we could totally see this season being fully, uh, you know, the, the season being what we know it as to be as of today. But I don't, I think there's room for a few more surprises. And where would those be? Yeah. So Circle in the Square is obviously open. And I would imagine that something can come in there. The the Hayes, the Helen Hayes, is is going to be open after February 24th when Torch Song ends, it run, ends its run. Now, that's owned by Second Stage. So... That one's a little different, uh, Oliver, because it could go one of two ways. Second stage could say, you know what? We have a show that we've done off Broadway that we really want to bring in, or there's something we want to really do on Broadway, so we're going to bring it in ourselves. Or they could look for uh, another rental tenant, which Torch Song was, but that was a show that originated with second stage off Broadway. It was a commercial production and a rental, but it was a little bit of uh, an amalgamation of both. So that one could really go any way. If you look back at the last season or so of, of of second stages off Broadway scheduling. I don't really see anything that jumps off and says Broadway transfer to me. Uh, the most recent thing that, that was off Broadway was Days of Rage by Stephen Levinson had a fairly starry cast, Mike Feist, uh, Tavi Gevinson. I, I don't see that as being something that people were calling out for, for a Broadway transfer. They do have a new musical starring Kate Baldwin and I think Bryce Pinkham um, called Superhero that is going to be off Broadway starting in January, but that seems too late uh, to make that transfer uh, this season, I would think. So, it, you know, to me, Oliver, if I'm just reading the tea leaves, it seems like if they're going to have something come in for the spring at the Helen Hayes, it's going to have to be 
a rental because I feel like if it was something that was going to be part of their own programming and season, that it would happen. They would have announced it already. And I think the the other thing to, to just remember about the Hayes is, is it is the smallest theater um, at, uh, you know, I think just under 600 seats. And in today's economy, uh, you know, Broadway economy, it's really hard to run a musical at a house that small just because how uh, much it costs to run a musical these days uh, and how few seats you have to sell, which means your gross potential is quite limited. That doesn't mean you can't do it. Uh, I think most recently Dames at Sea was in there. Um, but those that was a small musical. Um, and the reason I bring this up is that it does mean that this opening is something that we can probably say if it were to be filled, it would be filled by a play or a very small musical. Um, and if you just look around at, at, at the things that are still sort of um, rumored for, 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 you know, to come to Broadway now or at some point, there are a lot of larger things, right? Like Jagged Little Pill uh, feels, feels much larger than that. Um, Dream Girls feels uh, much larger than than they they would want to uh, you know than can fit in that space. Um, so so I think it does uh, mean that if if uh, uh, if there is an announcement about it, it would probably be something that we maybe don't necessarily think is circling Broadway, but. Uh, but also plays are plays are, are an interesting beast this year as well, which we'll get into it in a second, um, just because there is so much competition in that landscape. So the Hayes is definitely a really interesting uh, piece of property to pay attention to as we continue with the season and, and sort of see what happens between now and the Tony deadline. All right, Oliver, I'm going to break off from our regularly scheduled program because as we are recording, uh, I just got a press release that is embargoed for 15 minutes from now, since we're not going to put out this episode in the next 15 <laughs> minutes. I feel comfortable with telling you that Summer, colon, the Donna Summer musical, will close at the Lunt Fontan Theater on December 30th of 2018. So that was one we were eventually going to get to um, mm-hmm. uh, and talk about the possibility of that closing. Now we know for sure it's going to happen. Which, well, that could, yeah, that could not have been timed more, yeah. more perfectly. Yeah, we were going to talk about the potential of that closing for the spring. Now we know for sure that it is. So that adds one more into the mix. Uh, I completely agree with you that Torch Song is, or not Torch Song, the Helen Hayes once Torch Song closes is probably ripe for a play and there's just not a ton of those that are circling necessarily even the smallest of musicals that is out there looking for a house something like uh the girl from the north country still feels way too big for a a house that has less than 600 seats so i think that's probably you're right that has to be a play so that leaves now if we're looking at musicals and there are a number of them considering a transfer we now have the Lunt Fontan, and we now have the Circle in the Square, two very different houses, much different in size. You know, I, I, I've heard, and you probably heard the same things, that uh, the Tina Turner musical was hoping to go into the Lunt Fontan, but they're not planning on coming until fall of 2019. So unless they change their schedule, either the Lunt is going to remain empty until then, or they're going to have to do... Uh, a limited run in that space, or Tina's going to have to find a new place to go. Uh, Cause I can't imagine that the Nederlanders want to leave a 1500 seat theater open for that long. The, the Lunt is definitely one of the larger theaters we have on Broadway at, at just over 1500 seats. So a uh, very different story than the Hayes. We are definitely looking uh, for a big musical uh, or bigger musical in that space. And I think, I think uh, you sort of hit the nail on the head on on what the what the shows that would be looking for that uh, space are. Um, you know, Jaggy Little Pill. Um, I think you said the girl from the North Country with uh, as well, right? Well, because, I said I said that's probably too big for the Haze, but it's probably too small for the Lunt, in my opinion. Right. Um, so so I, yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. Um, Girl from the North Country is this interesting beast in in my opinion because it had this wildly successful run on the West End and then it ran at the public and sort of uh, went has, – has been silent uh, while all this commotion has been happening over the last week and over the last few months uh, with things closing and, and opening and – I do think that there is, as of 15 minutes from now, uh, real estate for something like that to, to come in. Uh, I I think Tina is probably less likely, although possible, uh, only because it, it 
it feels like they've been very clear in the press about what their strategy is, about uh, what their plan is. And it seems like unless they've been quietly, uh, you know, quietly uh, coordinating with, with the Nederlanders about a potential shift from that, that that's probably what what they're uh, you know that that's yeah. probably what they're thinking, and I think also right the if you think about Tina and where it exists in the in the landscapes of uh, uh, as a property as a musical property, um, they're probably trying they they probably are weary to come in this season with share opening and with summer still in the picture. Although of course, if it takes the lunt, it wouldn't be in the picture at that point, just because, uh, it's, you know, a jukebox yeah. musical about a uh, sort of diva female singer, um, or, or a female icon. So I do think that they're probably going to stick to the, to the plan, but that doesn't mean that they're either gonna have to find a, a new home or, or, uh, or program a limited run at the, at the lunt. Yeah, and this is really interesting because we weren't planning on this, so I'm thinking through this off the top of my head. Um, but Girl from the North Country, Michael Riedel posted an article, I mean, at this point, I think six, eight weeks ago, saying that it was practically confirmed that the Girl from the North Country was going to take the Walter Kerr. I had heard that independent of Michael Riedel, that it, that was a, this is a quote from a very well-placed source, a done deal. Clearly, it was not a done deal, and things right. changed. Um, but when you're thinking of a place for the girl from the North Country, which I think is probably the most likely musical that is still looking for a home, um, it's looking at something more like the Kerr, which is a less than a thousand seat theater rather than the 1500 at the Lunt. So the next thing down for me is going to be well, and I'll I'll preface this as I believe we've talked about before, and you might have even mentioned it, and if not, it, you know, full disclosure, you are a producer on a musical Limpica, which had a fantastic, um, out of townish tryout at, uh, WTF, right? Is that where you guys were? Yeah. Yeah. The Williamstown Theater. Williamstown Theater Festival. Um, and as we are recording, you are currently in the middle of a month long lab, or is it didn't start in December? Is it, is it already started? Yeah. We just started. Yeah. Okay. So that one, um, and you can tell me if I'm telling tales out of school, but Rachel Chavkin is the director of, of Limpica. She is also the director of Town. So the idea of her having time to do both shows on Broadway seems to me to indicate that Limpica is probably not aiming for this season. So that is why I am skipping talking about that show for this year. Then I think that's a, I think that's a fair assumption. Okay. Anything can change, obviously. Uh, but I just, I feel like. If you're trying to do one plus one to get to two, right. <laughs> the director of the show probably needs to be in that equation. So for me, the next one is Jagged Little Pill, which is also doing a lab late this year. I don't know if it's in November or December, but they've had announcements and casting for that workshop or lab or whatever it is. So that one to me makes sense as a potential for the Lunt. You still have Dream Girls, which has had Broadway auditions. That was months ago, though, and nothing has happened since. That could happen. Crazy for You has announced its intentions to come to Broadway, but that one seemed dead. But that might have had to do with not thinking that it had some place to go. Then we've had talk about everybody's talking about Jamie from London potentially coming over. Um, heck, Andrew Lloyd Webber once loves ne Love Never Dies, the tour to come in. Maybe they set up shop there for the limited run before Tina comes in. These are all potential for Big-ish, or everybody's talking about Jamie isn't big, but um, but these are all potential musicals that could go in that space. And again, yeah. off the top of my head, but uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but those are just the things that make sense to me. Yeah, you know, I think the, the other thing, I think that's exactly right. I think that my instinct tells me that the, the most likely uh, tenants for that are Jagged Little Pill and Girl from the North Country, just because they, they seem to be, unlike Tina floating with without a, a you know they've, they've not declared uh, what season they're coming in and uh but the interesting thing about both of them is i think that they would have they would are both or were both looking at smaller houses um right so uh so maybe it will be neither i think the other thing we need to uh consider uh just because we've seen so much of this in, in the last two seasons is that maybe there is a nederlander spring tenant that would want to switch into the lunt uh so i'm looking oh, yeah. like 
like Tootsie is currently in the uh, the marquee uh, with sixteen hundred and twelve seats. Uh, maybe they want to make the house a little bit more manageable and go into the Lunt um, with uh, you know about a hundred seats less. I, you know, certainly a possibility. And, um, and, and the marquee doesn't have a great track record of recent right. years, um, so that very well could be just they want to get it for whatever reason. Traffic wise, it's hard to see down there underneath the hotel and you know right off Schubert Alley. It might be hard. They might just not like the uh, the location. So so that's a good yeah, option too. I, I mean, I just I just think it's possible given given uh, the you know network having switched uh, this season. Um, and prom having switched this season, uh, it's definitely something to talk about is the, the yeah. possibility of, of that. The other possibility, and we weren't planning on talking about it in this context, but the other possibility is last week, the New York Post's Michael Riedel talked about the fact that Live Nation, which is the major concert presenter in the country, along with CAA, which is a major talent agency and entertainment benefits group, which I don't really know what that is. They are talking about trying to replicate the model of Springsteen on Broadway in smaller doses and do like three week limited runs of like gigantic name stars. Like people floated in Riedel's article were Beyonce and Barbara Streisand and Ariana Grande, Kelly Clarkson, Bette Midler, Aerosmith, Carrie Underwood, Lionel Richie, the Eagles, Michael Buble, all these people, like huge major stars. His article is, is a little confusing because at times he makes it sound like they're looking to buy a theater and then times he makes it sound like they're trying to rent a theater. This could be an interesting spot if they wanted to say, hey, let's take six months. Let's take your spring and see if we can get, I don't know, four, five, six artists to rotate in and out. Uh, this could be a good option. And maybe this is in the in the mix. And that's why it was such a quick announcement that something has been decided that we don't know about. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it could definitely be. I, I will say this. I don't think the Nederlanders are going to lead the Lunt. Uh, unoccupied for from uh, I actually don't, when is when is summer closing? I actually don't even know because I've been talking <laughs> uh, December thirtieth. December thirtieth. Oh, so really soon. So yes. yeah, I think uh, you know because summer's closing and and very quickly. Uh, I think that if they don't find a tenant that you know they like and that and that likes them, or sorry, if they haven't already found that. Um, given you know how quickly uh, you know given that we're talking about a closing in three weeks or so. That probably they'll find a create, or they probably they probably have a creative way to use the space in the spring um, that won't compete with the sort of cr- you know craziness that that's already been announced, um, like doing a few three week stints uh, or something like that. But but I think you know, continuing with the with that Riedel article, well, it was really interesting. I mean, my first reaction is. Oh God! It's already hard enough to get a, a theater on Broadway, and we don't need, uh, you know, a, a huge powerhouse like Live Nation and CAA to uh, come together and occupy, um, you know, prime real estate for the next, you know, however many years with just putting in like, you know, uh, uh, putting in artists that they know are going to sell tickets, right? I think I think that. Uh, Springsteen has really shown. Uh, obviously, Springsteen is Springsteen, but the fact that he's been playing, that he will have been playing for, I think, over a year, right? Uh, yeah, Matt? it's like a year and a half. He yeah, started so, in the summer of 2017. So, if Springsteen can do the, the uh, you know, can sell at the prices that he's selling, uh, at, uh, uh, you know, around, uh, you know, at, at a sort of average to small size theater for over a year, then. Any artist who has ever played on the radio can definitely do three weeks, right? Like that's sort of yeah. the calculation in my head. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Any artist, uh, yeah, yeah, and and that's what's interesting about it is that they're not saying we want to do what Springsteen did for a year and a half. We want to do it for three weeks. And I, I, look, I'm telling you right now, every single person that Riedel announced could probably do three months, let alone three weeks. Right. Yeah. Um. But I think there isn't. I think that other than taking a current space um you know we're, it's a very different beast when we talk about uh, a company like live nation and mca because they have the resources if, if they actually really think that, that this is a a play that they want to start doing concert style or just theatrical endeavors these are people who have the resources and by that i mean financial and know-how to actually run a property so i don't think yeah. it's uh, and and like you said the real article was a little bit unclear, and it did leave room for the idea that maybe they're looking to buy a theater. And I mean, we were just talking about this uh, uh, before we started recording, but but it seems like in the current 
economy of Broadway um, and the fact that theaters don't remain uh, don't don't go without a tenant for very long because there's just so much content that wants to be that you know that that's dying for our space. It seems unlikely that a current theater owner would give up one of their theaters. So I think the other possibility is that the the Riedel article and the Live Nation CAA thing would would come together with the creation of a of a new theater uh, within the Broadway box. That would that would be awesome. I mean, th- th- we've over the years we've talked about a lot of theaters. That for whatever reason they're they're landlocked. They don't have um, an entry for for sets and stuff like that. That could kind of be mitigated with something like uh, like this. If they bought something, I don't even remember remember what the theaters are, but um, things that have been converted to retail by now, I'm sure. But if they came in <laughs> right. and they just brought in all of the the lighting rigging and left it there, they didn't need major sets. Um, that could really kind of take care of a lot of those issues. The other thing that I, I want to mention, just because it's very different when you talk about companies like Live Nation and CAA, they could very well look at having these people do Broadway as a loss leader. You know, this could be something where they say, here, let's go out there and get all this press for doing Broadway. You show that it's a kind of a different um, uh, type of show that you're capable of. And then that can actually be used as as a as a marketing investment for your larger tours or your larger residencies in Vegas and stuff like that. So I almost feel like they don't even have to make the money work exactly if they want to do a three week run on Broadway, because they could look at it, like you said, because they have this larger viewpoint. It's not just like a commercial producer on Broadway saying, right, we have to recoup. They could say it as, as just part of the overall scheme for that artist. Um Looking back at the Lunt real quick before we get off that. Sure. I I have, just as we're talking, another crazy hypothesis that's probably not going to happen. But I was just thinking about it. So one of the shows that I mentioned that has had talked about coming to Broadway this season, that's a bigger show, that's a bigger musical, that has some scheduling issues, like Limpika does with you guys. Uh, um, Susan Stroman is scheduled to be directing... Uh, the new Aaron's and Flaherty musical, um, which she directed in its previous incarnation at uh, was it the National Theater in D.C. Uh, anyway, in D.C. a couple of years ago, it was called Little Dancer back then. I don't know what it's called now. She's doing uh, that. I think it's Marie. Marie. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah, that, that I believe it is. They're doing that in Seattle in the spring. So mm-hmm. follow me here, Olive. Yeah. This is November 28th. Summer announced its closing for December 30th. If crazy for you somehow found the money that it needed, if it has the money that it needs, and they wanted to get in this house with the Nederlanders, but they had to do it before Stroh went into production for Marie, maybe they start rehearsals quickly and start in performances in January. Um, That seems like a super quick turnaround and really unlikely, but... If you're trying to piece together why they would announce closing like in a month, that's an option. I don't think it's very yeah. likely, but I, just in case that that actually happens, I just wanted to get it on the record since I thought about it. Yeah, no, and I mean, there's, I mean, there are a lot of. There, I, I will say this: I, I have a feeling that uh, given the timing, you uh, given how how because this is this announcement comes after the announcement of Head Over Heels and Once on the Island earlier this week, and. Uh, it is at least a full week or about – I think it's exactly a full week earlier of a closing um, – uh, of a closing date, which which I, I really Correct. do think probably means that, that we're – all this hypothesizing is something uh, – is about an announcement that is uh, a done deal or close to a done deal and we'll hear about soon after uh, today. However, if that's not the case, I do think that it opens up uh, a lot of – a lot of possibilities that we that we sort of thought weren't weren't possible for this season before. You know, I mean, the other the other thing that comes to mind um, for this uh, uh, for 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 the space is the um, West End Company, uh, the Marion Elliott Company. Um, I, I think that they're probably going to wait a season. I do think that Riedel actually wrote that they that they were planning for next season. Um, but I yeah. also think that that was a whole that, other interesting story that we could dive yeah. into. But yeah. I think any producer with a new with a, revi- a musical revival that they're working on uh, that they think could fill 
something like the Lunt uh, or or actually the uh, Circle in the Square might see this year might see this as a golden opportunity because they have one comp- competitor for the Tony, which is Kiss Me Kate. Yeah, they would need another competitor to actually get uh, the Tony category for the for the best musical revival. Uh, but we'll get to that. So yes. Who knows what's going on with the Lunt? Um, I do tend to subscribe to what you're saying, Oliver, that whatever is going on, I think because of the quick turnaround, because of the December closing rather than the January closing, that they are probably have something on tap. Unless they just didn't want to go into another calendar gear because it would mess with their books. But anyway, that's interesting. Maybe a revival comes in. That takes us over back to Circle in the Square, as you mentioned, where... Because of its odd configuration, it doesn't have to be in the round, although a lot of the shows recently have been. If you go back to, like, Spelling Bee, it was not done in the round uh, at Circle in the Square. But a number of revivals have been talked about taking that space that have been done in the round recently in New York. The the two that first come to mind are shows that I personally, and this is firsthand reporting, that I have gotten surveys about uh, through whatever audience rewards or, I don't, you know, Broadway Across America, whatever, asking me what I thought about these productions. Fortunately, I saw both productions. Uh, the first was the Classic Stage Company's production of Carmen Jones, done in the round, Tony winner John Doyle, Tony winner Anika Noni Rose is the star. Um, great production. I would find it hard to believe that that goes into Circle in the Square. The other one that I think is probably pretty not not likely but much more likely is <laughs> what's being dubbed in some circles sexy oklahoma which was directed by daniel fish at saint anne's warehouse i did not find this one all that particularly more or less sexy than any other there are a lot of things that i had very strong feelings about um about I, oklahoma is one of my favorite shows oliver and about 85 percent of this was the best production of oklahoma that i've ever seen 15. well it was it was the only production of Oklahoma I've ever seen, which we can get into in a second. But, oh, but I want to know what the other I want to know what the other fifteen percent was. The other fifteen was divided between like seven and a half percent confusion and seven and a half percent of what the hell are you doing? This is wrong, and I am violently opposed to it. Um, but it creates emotions, so that. I, that's the other one that I got the the questionnaire about going in there. Although, Oliver, I've heard that that might not be the only Oklahoma that's actually looking to come to Broadway. The other two are the same sex um, adaptation of Oklahoma mm-hmm. that that ran at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival earlier this year, as well as the Denver Theater Center's all African American production. So there are actually three Oklahomas that, and I don't know if this is being done in conjunction with R and H. Uh, that are trying to find a place potentially or trying to find money really is what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's interesting that two classics written at least in part by Oscar Hammerstein, the second that have recently been done in the round are both thinking about circle in the square. Don't know if either of them go there. I'd be fine if they went in there and rep, to be honest with you, although I know that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but if Oklahoma comes in, if revival takes your, suggestion and goes into the lunt throw that in with kiss me kate from roundabout and we have our uh our tony for best musical revival so i'm kind of hoping for that because i think that would kind of suck to have to put kiss me kate in a category with things like all my sons and burn this and king lear and torch song right. and true west like that would just kind of be not fair to anybody yeah and i think i mean I, i'm also um i think you're right that that is probably what would happen because that is uh on the revival side because that is what uh is sort of the norm, but I but I also want to note that as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they're actually they have not published uh, the official rules for um, qualification and nomination. I mean, they set the eligibility deadline, but they haven't. Usually, there's a, like a, a nice PDF that explains you know how they're going to vote and uh, how many nominations will be allowed through. I haven't seen that yet. Not uh, for I, this year. I, I think I look. Yeah. Every day. I'm sure um, you do. This is based off of previous year's right. rules, which don't change very often. They could change, but you're right. There, yeah. I don't think there's been anything official for the 2019 tone. Uh, I think that you're right about the prediction for revival. I think the interesting question is last year there was a late change to those rules in uh, the decision to nominate, for the most part, five nominees per category, up from four. And it's really interesting to think about whether 
when they do uh, uh, come out with the eligible, uh, come out with the official nominating process for this year, whether that will be reflected in the original publication of the rules. And I wonder uh, if that, you know, if that decision comes or uh, sooner or later, if it affects who's eyeing these theaters. Um, you know, I mean, on the play side, which we haven't really talked about much, and the, I think the reason is that there are so many plays, both revival, uh, well, mostly uh, mostly originals that uh, are would be Tony eligible this year. Um, and generally, especially for a spring, especially for a spring play, especially for an original spring play that may not have all that many stars, the Tony is something that producers really, uh, and especially at least the nomination, is something that is really um, important in figuring out the decision of whether or not to put the play up in the first place. So uh, it's a really, it's it's an interesting question. Um, uh, for the same reason that uh, that I said, I, I don't think that uh, Live Nation will be purchasing a, a currently owned theater. I also don't think that the Lunt uh, and the Circle in the Square uh, and the um, Hayes will be uh, vacant no. you know, for, for, for the spring. Uh, there are just there are too many shows circling. Certainly on the revival side, with only one announced revival musical revival this year. Uh, and also on the original musical side, assuming the decision is to nominate five, I think there's a lot of room for a show that really want that really wants to get that stamp of approval from the Tonys um, to try to rush into one of these three vacant spaces. Yeah, because if I, as I'm looking at what now appears to be eleven best musical contenders that are, are that have announced or have already opened. Um, I think there's two that are guaranteed to get nominations. Then there's another one or two that are likely. And then the fifth spot is probably open. But I, I, I could feel like if three new musicals came in that were all good, I could see those easily taking three spots. So I think you're right. It is a very, even though it's a fairly packed season, it's, it's pretty open. So, I mean, I think that if something came in at this time, they could still get that stamp of approval that that the producers are always looking for. But it's it's a yeah. weird season, and this has kind of thrown us off uh, what we were thinking. Um, uh, but the only other th- theater, and I, I want to just mention this, the only other theater that I could really see becoming available in time for the Tony eligibility deadline might be the Broadhurst. And Anastasia has had its numbers going down um, fairly consistently, and it's just brought in... I guess somebody who's an Australian British YouTube pop star named Cody Simpson. Um, it seems odd to me and it <laughs> seemed, I mean, I don't want to call it desperate because, uh, you know, Anastasia has been running for a while and they can, you know, do whatever they want. It's just, it was, it was, it was even odder than some of the things kinky boots started doing, you know, four years in right. run. So it, but the, he just started at you know this week as we're recording. Like I think he started yesterday. So I don't know if his presence in that show will help it or not. But it is a show that has had similar grosses to summer. Now, granted, it's been open for about a year longer. So if that you know casting decision doesn't pan out, like I could see them saying, eh, you know what, we're going to close in at the end of January or in February. That'd be a quick turnaround again. And it doesn't, that doesn't happen often, but if they're not selling well now, like they did not have a very good week during Thanksgiving week, which was um, a bit surprising. Um, They, I mean, they did well. I mean, they picked up a lot of money because of tourists, but not enough to offset the problems that they've had in recent weeks. So that's the only other theater that I could see potentially opening for the spring. Um, Yeah. It should, you know, I, I, that brings up a, a good point, which is something that I think is worth sort of explaining, which is that um, it's not random that we're seeing all these closing announcements and, you know, therefore opening announcements uh, when we are this week. And the reason for that is that this is about the time of year where you figure out whether your hopes that the holiday season will bring enough ticket buyers to keep you open even at a loss if you don't sell the best during the winter. Um, and if and it's it's about at this time where you sort of are able to say, you know what, holiday sales don't look as good as we needed them to be. Uh, the reason I bring this up now is when you look at something like Anastasia that's been open long enough to really know it's um, the the way its ticket buyers behave. I I would guess that if we're gonna see that announcement in time for something else to come in there, that we'll see it quite soon. And if not, then they've decided that uh, holiday sales look good enough 
to take them through to the summer. The summer. Uh, yeah, because really, I mean, really, I don't see them staying open in the spring, you know, gutting it through January and February to get to the spring to close, you know, before the summer. They're going to get to the summer, probably go to Labor Day. And that's the same thing I see with things like Beautiful or Waitress, which have, both of those, unlike Anastasia, have already announced their recoupment. So even if they play just at a small profit every week, it's still a profit. Um, so there's no reason for them to close up shop uh, if they don't have to. So for Waitress and Beautiful, which are always fodder for message boards and social media to say they have to be closing soon, I don't really think so. I mean, I kind of feel like Beautiful could be here for another year or two. Waitress, I think, could probably go for two or three if they wanted to. And, and as long as something drastic doesn't happen, I think Waitress has to probably stunt cast or star cast a little bit more than Beautiful does. Um, mm-hmm. But although it really worked well for over the summer with Melissa Benoist, who I actually saw in Beautiful, and she was fantastic. So I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that more. But if Waitress and Beautiful find a couple stars that bring people in for a few months... I don't see why those couldn't last for another couple years or a year at least, if not two or three. Um, so yeah, I agree. If we hear something from Anastasia soon, I think that would be the only one that I would be not surprised about closing. But again, in the business, as we learned a half an hour ago when I got that press release, yeah. things can happen that you don't expect. I, I have a feeling that by the time uh, you know we wrap this spot this episode up and and post it, um, we'll we'll potentially be uh, hearing a few more announcements uh, again more i think at this point more likely openings than, than closings but uh, there's still room for a few closings and i think you know it sets us up and we have plenty of time until we have to talk about this but it sets us up for a, this what's happened this year in the spring and the real estate that's been going on and the and the number of um plays versus versus musicals some of which look like they really could stay stick around for a while um, that are opening as well as, you know, at the Anastasia's and the waitresses and the, uh, beautifuls that have been around for a while and are looking like maybe they won't be, um, it sets us up for a really interesting summer, you know, to figure out what fall looks like. I think we, you know, we could very easily be seeing buildings that have been routinely churning out new pieces every, you know, hosting new pieces every season have a, a solid tenant and vice versa. Yeah, we, it, I, let's just fast forward and it, we're, we've said a lot already, so I don't want to get into this too much, but we do have three shows that have more or less, they've announced their plans and seem, I believe them, um, for 2019 already. One is Tina, which we've talked about enough, so you can mm-hmm. put that aside. Then there's, uh, the all female production of Glengarry Glen Ross directed by Amy Morton. That has said it is planning on coming in in May of 2019. To me, Oliver, that seems like a perfect tenant for the Belasco. The Belasco is currently the home of Network, which is slated to close on March 17th, which is a really precarious date for Tony consideration. Um, so unless Brian Cranston wants to extend in that show into April, it would make sense to me if once they get their cast locked down, they announce that they're going to take the Belasco just because of the timing. It's very similar. I could see it happening, uh, you know, in, in late May. That's after the Tony eligibility deadline for this year. But if you have an all-female production of Glengarry Glen Ross with Amy Morton directing, I have a pretty decent guess that there's going to be some pretty big stars in it. So they could follow the boys in the bands model and say, we, we don't need Tony's. Uh, we've got stars. And they could do that there. The other one um, is probably a little bit more interesting is the Evo Van Hova directed Scott Rudin produced West Side Story, which has already announced its first, I mean, its, its first preview and right. opening date, um, first preview for December 10th of 2019. And then like, like opening because it's Rudin like two months later in February of 2020. It's, it's a Rudin show. So chances are that it's going to be in a Schubert house, not necessarily, but more than likely. So it seems to me they probably have an idea as what house it's going to go into, but there's so much time. There's a year between now and then to say, yeah, if something changes, that'd be great. I could very much see uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, another Rudin show, is currently at the Schubert and is an open-ended run, but it's a strange mm-hmm. show. If that maybe doesn't work, I could very much see Westside going into the Schubert. Um, but anything can happen, but I just wanted to put those out there because those are three shows that have soft, medium, and hard dates for right. the 2019, even if they don't have specific theaters announced yet. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, uh, I, you know, those are, you know, we said, we started the episode by saying that, that this season started with some early announcements. And I think that those, <laughs> uh, those are the early announcements for, for next year. 
Um, and I think also any title that we've talked about, um, you know, uh, Jagged Little Pill, Girl from the North Country, Lampika. Uh, um, I've got a whole list of other uh, shows uh, that could I mean, come all, in if you want me to all, get into all the, Well, there's all the shows that we've that we've sort of anything that we that it, any title that we've said that uh, doesn't end up in this season, I think, are things that we should keep our eye on for next season. Yeah, absolutely. I think you could also throw in um, something like Diana, which is the Princess Diana musical that's having its out-of-town tryout in California early in 2019. Uh, Then you start looking at some of those other things. Everybody's talking about Jamie. We still have The Minutes and The Hangmen, which are two plays that have been talked about coming to Broadway. Dave, which had an out-of-town tryout. We have another play um, that you are involved in called The Inheritance that is over in London currently that may or may not transfer. So I think there's a lot of things. And then, of course, there's always a production of Gypsy uh, hovering around. You know, we could, right. you know, that that could happen at any point. So yeah, it's it's you know, once we get a few more slots filled for 2018, 2019, we could probably turn around and, and start trying to figure everything out for 2019, 2020 as well. Yeah, I uh, I think that's that's definitely the case. And until then, I think you know, keep your ears tuned for for uh, for for. I I would be uh, confident in saying that you're going to see probably two to three, but at least one to three uh, opening announcements in uh, the next two weeks, given wow. the the real estate. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I just don't see these theaters staying on. You know, I, yeah. at least I think the Lunt, I think the Lunt's got something up their sleeve, um, and I think that uh, I I would be very surprised if second stage in their second season left uh, a, a whole you know a, a whole yeah. um like chunk of time the spring which is you know prime time for 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 run, for running shows uh, unscheduled um and then i think the circle in the square is as as i think it always is more of a um a coin flip because the thing is, though it is an amazing space because of its structure as something that can do uh, that can be done in the in the round or in thrust or, or you know it, it's much more flexible than any, any other space. That also means that it needs a tenant that wants that. Yeah. Um, so so I think it, that's probably the least likely the least likely of the three. But but I think they're all pretty likely to get something in there. Yeah, and I also feel like if they have something, they probably want to get it out now because. People like to buy theater tickets for holiday presents, so they might as well have something on sale soon, uh, as soon as possible, to uh, try to capitalize on that if they can. I'd imagine. Yeah, and everything else is on sale. I mean, you're you're, you're missing, you know, and and it's it's only going to open. I mean, I don't, I don't remember what exactly the cutoff is, but uh, you know, it's it's April. Um, yeah, so 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 unless you know, unless the, the thing that fills it is going to do a boys in the band model that fills either of these, where it just say, you know says well. That you know, we'll get the Tony. You know, we'll we'll if it's a musical, you know, we'll see about the Tonys next year. Or if it's a play, we'll just be closed and be and be over and not rely on Tonys. Um, they're gonna be having performances quite soon, which means they're gonna want to put tickets on sale quite soon. For the Hayes, I'd be looking at purely based on on gut. It seems like either they've got something on their sleeve and they haven't announced it, or it's prime real estate for for something that does really well off-Broadway or regionally, like now. You, you know, there's something that's opening, that, that just opened the la- in the last month or is opening in the next month uh, that just all of a sudden has a Broadway opportunity that no one knew was coming. I'm trying to think of what's there. I'm trying to think what you could do. This is the reason why I say that. I, I just don't know why they wouldn't have announced otherwise. This would be different in, in any other season because it's a great space for an amazing new play. The problem is that there's so much competition. Yeah. Well, and one thing that we didn't talk about, but I'm kind of surprised, like maybe the Yiddish fiddler didn't think about that. Um, If it's going to go and obviously prices are different and everything. I mean, if it's going to do a a commercial run in Midtown off Broadway, like maybe a co-production could have made sense to kind of get around that. But other than that, like, I don't know. I mean, I know usual girls has done really well for roundabout, but that's at their down downstairs space. Like that's not going to transfer and it's a roundabout show. So it's not going to come there. So like, I don't know unless, unless they did something with MCC and Schoolgirls came. It seems like the extension of school or the remount of Schoolgirls is a, a waste of a lot of potential Broadway ticket buyers if they were going to transfer yeah. it. But that's the type of show, though, that I would expect. Uh, because also remember, like, the thing about Yiddish Fiddler is I do think that Second Stage would prefer they announced this theater being a theater that they wanted to put things from living, uh, I think, American playwrights. That's true. And I just think that 
I mean, yes, if they if it's their best option, maybe they'll just rent it out for someone who doesn't fit that mission. It feels like the problem is that the best thing for that space would be something like a school girls. Uh, but something like Schoolgirls, because it's been around for the block for a while and because of what it is, it would not float in, in a landscape with the competition, with Gary and with, uh, Hillary and Clinton and with, yeah. you know, Choir Boy. Like, there's just too many new plays and, and, and the Ferryman, right? That, that's the real thing, yeah. right? What, what about, and it, this probably won't, this won't work because they've announced an extension through March, but like, what about the Gloria show? Like, that has, an Oscar-winning leading actress, right? Yeah. Doing that, yeah, or like, you know? or like something like you know, they just uh, this wouldn't, this doesn't make sense either because they just moved it. What the Constitution means to me, which is like, yeah. super cheap to run, something like that. I think yeah. you're in there. That's the one that I'm most excited about because I don't know the answer. I just, I just don't know. Again, the problem is for a producer that wants to use that space for what it's best for, which is an amazing new play. They're really. Uh, harsh competition. It brings me back to, um, yeah. I think it was two years ago when Oslo, Sweat, Indecent, and Adal's House Part 2 were all on Broadway at the same time. And like, look, I think that they would have done much better if they weren't in uh, a season. Yeah. Now there's more than three or four plays by, you know, either first time writer, you know, there's yeah, and you've also got, we've still got, you didn't mention Network and you've still got Ink coming right. in. Um, so it's like, there, it's just like there's a, so many plays that it's it's hard to feel like another one is going to want to subject itself to yeah, that. And it, this is why I think we're talking about the right type of, of of plays. Like it's it's either something that has serious momentum, like Yiddish Fiddler or Schoolgirls, or it's something star driven, like Gloria. Or something that doesn't really feel like a Broadway property, like Constitution, that could be run really cheap. Feel, fits a different marketplace than To Kill a Mockingbird and Network, but still keeps the lights on at the haze during the spring. Thank you for listening to The O'Henry Report. If you have any questions about previous podcasts or ideas for the next one, tweet me at Oliver Henry Roth. You can find The O'Henry Report on broadwayworld.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Basically, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts, we're there. Be sure to follow Broadway World on Facebook and on Twitter at Broadway World for the latest updates. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Oliver Henry Roth, on Facebook at O'Henry Productions, and on the web at www.ohenryproductions.com. From myself and the rest of the O'Henry Report and Broadway World staff, thanks for listening. We'll see you next month.